with the expression there as the minister put his signature to the right-hand column of the church register was one of bland benignity together vicar and warden placed the money in an ancient huntley and palmer biscuit tin i'll be off then vicar the wife will be waiting lawson nodded and watched his warden go yes brenda josephs would be waiting she had to be six months previously harry had been found guilty on a charge of drunken driving and now faced one year's suspension. The small vestry window looked out on the south side of the church, and Lawson sat down at the desk and stared blankly into the graveyard. He both looked and felt a worried man, for the simple truth was that there should have been two five-pound notes in the collection that morning. Was there just a possibility, though, that Mrs. Walsh Atkins had at last exhausted her store of five-pound notes? and put five separate one-pound coins into the collection? No. There was a much more probable explanation, an explanation that disturbed Lawson greatly. He took out his wallet, and from it drew a piece of paper, on which earlier that same morning he'd written down the serial number of the five-pound note which he himself had sealed in a small brown envelope and placed in the morning collection. And only two or three minutes ago, he checked the last three numbers of the five-pound note which Harry Josephs had placed in the biscuit tin. They were not the numbers he'd written down. Something of this sort Lawson had suspected for several weeks, and now he had proof of it. He should, he knew, have asked Josephs to turn out his pockets on the spot. That was his duty both as a priest and as a friend, for somewhere on Josephs' person would have been found the five-pound note he'd just stolen from the offertory. Lawson looked down at the piece of paper he had been holding and read the serial number printed on it. AN 5040505546. Although he pretended still to be asleep, Harry Josephs had heard his wife get up just before seven, and he was able to guess her movements exactly. She'd got dressed, walked down to the kitchen, filled the kettle, and then sat at the table smoking her first cigarette. It was only during the past two or three months that Brenda had started smoking again, and he was far from happy about it. It was just a drug, really. Like a slug of aspirin or a bottle of booze or a flutter on the horses. He turned his head into the pillow, and his own anxieties once more flooded through his mind. Tea. She put the mug down on the small table that separated their twin beds. Joseph sat up and sipped his tea as she bent forward from the waist and applied a series of cosmetic preparations to her face. It was twenty-five past seven, and Brenda would be off in five minutes. She worked mornings only at the Radcliffe Infirmary, where two years ago she'd taken up her nursing career once again. Two years ago. That was just after... She came across to his bedside, lightly touched her lips to his forehead, and walked out of the room. But almost immediately she was back again, Oh, Harry, I nearly forgot. I shan't be back for lunch today. I really must go and do some shopping in town. Josephs nodded and said nothing. For a few minutes, he lay quite still, listening to her movements below. Bye! The front door clicked to behind her. Goodbye, Brenda. He turned the bedclothes diagonally back, got up, and peered round the side of the curtained window. The Allegro was being backed out carefully into the quiet, wet street, and then, with a sudden puff of blue exhaust smoke, was gone. Brenda was off to the Radcliffe. For three years he'd made the identical journey himself, 
to the block of offices just below the Radcliffe, where he'd worked as a civil servant, after his twenty years' service in the forces. But two years ago, the staff had been axed following the latest public expenditure cuts, and three of the seven of them had been declared redundant, including himself. And how it still rankled. He'd been forty-eight then. Young enough, perhaps, by some standards, but the sad truth had slowly seeped into his soul. No one really wanted him any longer. After more than a year of dispiriting idleness, he had, in fact, worked in a chemist's shop in Summertown. But the branch had recently closed down, and he'd almost welcomed the inevitable termination of his contract. He, a man who'd risen to the rank of captain in the Royal Marine Commandos, standing politely behind the counter handing over prescriptions to some pale-faced youth or other, who wouldn't have lasted five seconds on one of the commando assault courses. He caught the tender.